This episode is brought to you by ImprovePhotographyPlus.com. Improve Photography Plus has an extensive library of video tutorials from your favorite photographers on the Improve Photography Network and others. Everything from Photoshop to Lightroom to lighting to portraiture to composition to landscape photography, you'll find all kinds of tutorials on Improve Photography Plus. But it's more than that. On Improved Photography Plus, you'll also find Lightroom presets, sample contracts you can use in your photography business, raw files for backgrounds that you can slip into your landscape images when you want to replace a background, and more. Check it out and get your two-week free trial at improvephotographyplus.com. Welcome to Tripod, Improved Photography's nature photography show. This show is for the weekend photo warriors, the wave a flashlight around in the black of nighters, and the F-16 users. This is Tripod. Hey everybody and welcome back to Tripod. Today I am joined by the man himself, Majid Badazadagan. Hey Majid, how are you? Good morning, Jim. Well, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the of the landscape photography industry. Um, it really is a, a very a very much an evolving landscape, and a lot has happened just in the last few years to to really change the industry. Um, so, what are the biggest things that you're seeing in the landscape photography industry right now? Well, we had the um, basically the digital reg- revolution, right? Um, that's been happening for well over a decade and we've had so many people um, that didn't really know anything about photography now are, are really good photographers and they've come into the industry and they've learned. Um, so there's a much wider pool of just people that are really good with cameras um, and especially in landscape photography, since there's a lot of interest in that specific um, subgenre of photography, um, the we've just seen basically this flood of this influx of um, landscape photographers. Yeah, it seems to me that even even three years ago, I might say there were you know the bulk of the group was in the the beginner category, smaller group in the intermediate category, and then this tiny tiny, tiny, tiny little group that was the true professionals who are creating, you know, world-class kind of, kind of stuff. And now it's that top category that, uh, it really seems to be exploding. I mean, the, the number of photographers that are truly producing world-class, very professional, uh, very quality stuff is huge. There are a lot of people that can do it. Which just means the bar has moved higher. Oh, yeah. And higher and higher. And uh, the interesting effect of that, I think, on our industry is how far is somebody going to push it for that epic photo, that epic shot, um, the amazing landscape? Are they going to, you know, climb a mountain in unsafe conditions or get too close to the ocean or... um, you know, just put themselves at risk or in harm's way just because that bar has moved so much higher that they that their people are taking more and more risks. 
Yeah, well, and see, the question that I have is, would that even be enough? Because already we have that, you know? Like, we are already people are doing crazy things to get photos. Um, I wouldn't say I put my life at risk, but I do crazy things to get photos. Um, and so that's there. And then the, the question to me is, what's the next level? And, it, and I, I don't quite see what that is. I guess nobody does, otherwise they'd be there, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the problem is that there's no barrier to reach a higher level right now in landscape photography. It used to be just tremendously difficult and expensive to get to that level. You know, when you were shooting film, you know, could you really create the same photos of Mesa Arch, whatever, that we're seeing today on film? Sure. Just that you'd have to shoot so much uh, and and you'd have to practice so much before you could do that. And now with digital, I, I mean, I just looked in my Lightroom library, my Drobo's filled up with 25 terabytes. <laughs> I mean, you can just practice so much that it's easier and easier to get to those higher levels. And so until there's some kind of bar, some kind of difficulty that keeps the masses from getting there, it's going to be a flooded market. Completely agree. And one one thing that you mentioned is really we're looking at this age of basically the learning curve itself is something that you can grab hold of and you can control. So if you go out and take 300 photos every day, that was just financially impossible mm -hmm. 25 years ago to do that um, for most people. Um, but you can take 300 photos and by extension, you're becoming more competent, more comfortable with a the camera. There's also widely um, available um, tutorials. So in, in our industry, there are a lot of um, the top guys um, selling basically the tutorials on how to process images um we have yeah you can learn from the best of the best and that right. hasn't always been the case right you you haven't always been able to access that information and now you can there's there's nobody that you can't find their process from and that's a that's a very different different way okay so so obviously that drives down the price of, of what a landscape photo is worth, right? I mean, we've all seen that. Uh, you know, just the, the, I would say the public appetite for beautiful photos is stronger than it has ever been. And yet the price has been driven down. Absolutely. And the, and the expectation of surrealism and just perfection and beauty, I think the, the public itself has been exposed to millions of photographs in their lifetime. So they can tell the difference between, just even at a glance between a casual iPhone shot that they could have done themselves because they, they see, you know, like, oh, I point my camera at the sunset and it doesn't look that good because, you know, there's dynamic range problems and sensor, tiny sensor issues, but they see a professional shot and they kind of know what that they look, that looks like intrinsically What's interesting for me, um, a non-photography friend of mine was saying, you know, some people to to some people, um, photography is like, like um, water yoga, like it exists. What? Yeah, it exists. I don't even know what water yoga is. Yeah, like it exists, but like you never think about it. Like I'll never be like, um, I, I'm gonna go do some water yoga today. Like, <laughs> um, 
So to some people, you know, they don't care. And then and then to our faction of um, photographers, we really care a lot about this stuff. And um, so so that also has like some effect on the value as well. Like if somebody has a personal connection to the place and you capture that place in a really unique way, then there's a chance that you'll be able to have some success um, selling those photos. Um, but overall, the demand definitely has gone down. I've seen um, my my portfolio increase in size and variety and quality, I think, over time. Hopefully, I'm adding quality over time. Um, and barring this last weekend where I sold a few prints, it had been months and months before there was even an inquiry. So so there's all, it, it's, um, it's always been kind of um, an interesting thing, the print side of things. Um, but if you don't have your business geared toward it, then it's really kind of hit and miss anyway. I totally agree about that. Uh, if you don't have your business geared toward it, it's difficult. Um, you know, I, I see that for sure. I get print inquiries, you know, every couple months. Um, somebody will somebody will email over and is, you know, wanting a photo for a hotel or a hospital or, or a, you know, just an individual. Usually an office thing, though, uh, is, is typically what I get, re- uh, get requests from. Which is nice. That's Some- a good client to have. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're good. But but you were talking about getting your business geared toward it and that's how I feel. Like when I get a print inquiry, like at first I'm like, yeah, that's exciting. And then I think, ah, you know, I've got to go prepare the photo. I've got to ship it off to the printer. It's got to come. The colors aren't right and the client isn't happy and I got to redo this and I've got to send out an invoice. And I just don't have a good business process for that because it only happens a co- every couple months. And so by the end of it, even though it looks great at the, at the beginning and I'm excited for it, by the end, almost every time I say you know what, I should have just sent them the full resolution file and said, pay me a hundred bucks and print whatever you want. <laughs> you know, I would have been better off. Uh, it's insane that, that the industry is is there, but kind of is. Uh, yeah. And and it really, it's it's not free to make prints and, and sell them. It takes quite a bit of time to get it right if you're going to do a really nice print for somebody and, and consider the fact that there are going to be returns and changes requested and things like that. Another thing I've noticed um, in our industry is um, continue to be even industry partners, um, supposedly those who should hold the photography in the highest value such as magazines for example are less and less willing to pay for photography um so yeah. published in two magazines this summer and one paid and one did a two-page spread and did not pay mm-hmm. um they did a a trade or anyway um there they, they didn't even send a free magazine <laughs> Like I yeah. had to go and find the magazine on store shelves and I live in a small city. So, um, uh-huh. that this, that was, a, an interesting experience just to see like how the industry itself, like is not valuing photography. Oh, it's just another photographer who makes pretty pictures. There's nothing special about this or it's not worth, you know, we can't find it in our marketing budget or, um, you know, our distribute our, our any any sort of capital 
to compensate the artists that, you know, that's the reason that people are buying these magazines. So I found that kind of interesting as well. Yeah, I was just talking to Kevin Jordan, who writes on the website, and he experienced the same thing. A magazine was interested in in using his photos uh, and some tips from him, and no offer of payment whatsoever. I I was so excited uh, earlier this year when I got the front cover of a magazine. They did a five page story, and you know what? I have never heard from even one person who found improved photography through that magazine. Not even one. And I always hear, you know, when we get a, a flood of new listeners to the podcast wh- for whatever reason, or I do something big on, on YouTube or whatever, I always hear, hey, I'm new, you know, I found you through this. Not even one person came from that. Crazy. And so, you know, it's fun to just to get to get in a magazine because it has that old time allure. But You know, at some point we got to just admit that magazines, they're not dead. There's some, but they're mostly dead. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's a hard thing to track as well. um, Because I think even when you look at like virality, because that's something that's much more, um, much more relevant to the modern landscape photographer is if their photo has a chance at going viral. Um, Even if a thousand people see that photo when it's viral only maybe 20 of them are going to be well this is just assuming but but a thousand are going to see the image the vast majority are going to move on with their day maybe Mm -hmm. 20 of those people are inclined to um dig a little deeper Mm -hmm. and see who this person is and check you out so maybe you get checked out by 20 people and of those 20 people, maybe three or four follow your work or, or you, you, you know, like, so, so it's this huge, um, it's this huge drop off between how many people actually see your work and how many people actually invest in it and mm-hmm. care about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, I, because of that very same thing, I, lately, I've made a major mental switch for myself of just what my goals are with photography. Uh, You know, like everybody, uh, for a long time, my goal was, you know, to get as many followers as I can, get well-known and et cetera. And uh, lately, I've just kind of realized what a futile goal that really is. Uh, It really just that is not going to make me a happier person. It's just not. Um, It helps somewhat in business uh, to have a lot of followers, less than a lot of people would think. Um, but, uh, But especially just like, what I was feeling, what it was doing to me, I didn't like that. I didn't like the feeling of, you know, trying to be popular all the time. And so, boy, especially over the last last few months, I've just really changed my approach to photography and just creating stuff that I like and just enjoying it for me. Um, sharing things as I go along, fine. If I get new followers, fine. But uh, I've I've really just cared a lot less about that recently. And I feel much happier. It's just not healthy to be working on getting me popular all the time. I agree with that. And um, when I was writing my 2017 business plan, um, that was one of, one of the main bullet points was do 
what makes you happy like photograph for you like the the motive of trying to process only photos that you think people will like or take pictures that you only um that you think are pandering to a certain audience or you're basically the entire creative process is hijacked because you're trying to basically create an image that you think people will like versus Mm -hmm. trying to create an image that you will like. And that's a shift in your mentality is falling out of that trap or, or wiggling your way out of that trap and really focusing more on what you like and what you care about. And honestly, like whatever, like if somebody doesn't follow you, it's not the end of the world, you know, like whatever, like you, you don't have to, um, you know, famous artists in their time weren't unanimously liked it's art. It's a dividing subject. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, there's going to be people, there are going to be people that like what you do and there are going to be people that don't like what you do. And if you accept that from early on and, um, don't try to be something you're not, then that's a really healthy approach. Right. And, and I, I, the reason that I'm wanting to do what I love, it's not one of those things where I'm trying to do what I love so I make better work and so I can get more followers because of that. <laughs> I'm tr- it, that's that's sometimes you can fall into that same trap. Yep, you know, exactly. you say uh, I'm trying to get new followers. That's not working. Okay, I'm going to do what I love and hopefully that will. And it's not even that. I just want to enjoy photography. And there was a time there where I felt like it just wasn't healthy. You know, you're just trying to get people to follow you what is that's so meaningless exactly um and and so i've really just been shooting for me and just enjoying it again uh and and for me i found that that's been time lapse i've never really done much with time lapse and i have like i went to zion national park last week with some of the writers on the website and and a few improved photography plus members and i took very few stills. Uh, I just shot time-lapse all week and holy cow, that was just so fun just to get out and just shoot and put it together in a video in the end. And I just really enjoy it. And it's something that I've never really spent much time with because most of the improved photography audience is into still photography and not video. Um, and so boy, just just finally embracing what I just love uh, was awesome. I think another way that the landscape photography industry has changed is there is that blend of um, really the, this multimedia um, professional that's behind the camera. So it's not just a camera operator that can take a still, but it's somebody that together a 4K time lapse that can put their camera on a motorized arm and make mm-hmm. like beautiful um, shifting perspective time lapse motion video. And yep. when that option is always available, when the option of putting a camera in the air and flying a drone um, is available, like then it opens up a whole new world of perspectives that are a lot harder to quote comp stomp where mm-hmm. somebody's going to come and put um, your tri- their tripod in the exact same spot that you put your tripod and make the same image. Um, and it's really just impossible 
to to get the quote best image of a location because every single day um you know is another chance for an amazing weather event to happen at a location right like the grand canyon well you can go to the grand canyon um in horseshoe bend every single day and wait for that amazing nuclear sunset or sunrise with lightning bolts and who knows what else happening and somebody's going to be there with a camera we live in in an age where an amazing weather event is going to be documented pretty much no matter what at this point, especially at iconic locations. So it's really, um, you know, some, a couple of thoughts there, but we we're seeing the, the shift from, um, something being rare to somebody's going to be there. Somebody's going to be there with a camera, uh, mm-hmm. to capture that moment. Yeah, and that makes it all the more frustrating if you're just chasing that all the time, uh, because it's an unattainable thing. You know, right. you if if you're going to have a family and a life and a normal uh, normal life, uh, you can't be out shooting 365 days a year. But guess what? There are people who are. Um, and when we see these really really big names in the landscape photography industry, they are. They're shooting all the time they're always traveling and shooting uh and knowing several of them um, more on a personal level boy there's a serious cost to that absolutely um and you're and it brings me to this other point about our current state of landscape photography is so if people aren't selling prints um where's the money well, what's the what's the um, general you know follow the money where in as an industry where um, are people making a living? Okay, one that I want to say is galleries. Um, there are if you're in that top echelon of people who are really creating world class stuff, some galleries are kicking. But still, I think especially because people are just still gravitating toward photography as fine art and something they want in their home. That It seems crazy to say that. Like, seems crazy to think, you know, just now people want a pretty photo in their house. But it's really true. Uh, the, the real art buyers and art collectors are really just starting to embrace photography as an art form. You know, something that can go in a gallery next to a painting. Um, and... And I do see in just about every major vacation town that there are some galleries that are producing millions of dollars of sale. If you're in the top echelon, if you make gorgeous prints, uh, you gotta gotta uh, pr- present those prints right, and uh, you have to be in a right place. You know, Boise, Idaho gallery, eh. But I'm seeing them in Jackson Hole. I'm seeing in Vegas. I'm seeing in Maui. I'm seeing them in uh, Park City, Utah, etc. Any tourist These massive galleries. Any touristy city with millions of people coming through, and they want to take a piece of that city home with them. Your a uh, fine art gallery, right, is targeted at the people that can write the check, right? That's kind of like an old sales thing. It's like, well, are you going to talk to people? people or are you going to talk to people who can write the check and by having a gallery in las vegas then you're for example peter lick has an amazing gallery 
and you walk in and the first thing you see is this 10 foot by eight foot acrylic print that has perfect spotlighting on it of the Columbia River Gorge. And it's like you're standing at the Columbia River Gorge and you can transport from one to another. And of course, you know, an art consultant is going to say, hey, you need this in your house. You need this experience in your house. You can have this experience in your house. So in a way, what Peter Lick's been doing for decades has been increasing the value of photography um, in like our country, um, in the world, basically by putting, um, by essentially putting a, a price tag on it and not a small price tag either. We, we see a lot of, um, we see a lot of like undercutting, especially with the amateur, um, industry, photography industry, and this branches outside of even landscape, but like, Oh, he's going to charge $150 for a shoot. I'll charge 50. Mm-hmm. is a lot of money, you know, to somebody just starting out in photography. Um, Whereas you're talking about economies of scale here where, you know, I I wouldn't even venture a guess. I would say probably you're in the five figures for a large Peter Lick print. Um, Yeah. But, you know, there's all kinds of overhead um, associated with that. And, and, um, but overall, you know, that type of thing, you, if you're, if you're talking about galleries and you're talking about like somebody who's very well, potentially as an individual, like the top dog in galleries, but if you're just trying to open one gallery or something, that's something to keep in mind as well. And I think, like you said, Jim, you can have success if you do have world-class imagery and you have world-class presentation and world-class sales consultants, but that's a lot of ifs, 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 if. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And, and yeah. that's why I've, I've I'm going to go on a little rant. <laughs> um, I I keep hearing, especially in small business arenas, people talking about the lean startup. Uh, the idea of this is that you start a business as small as you can make it, uh, and then build from there. Uh, you know, if I'm going to, you know, if I want to become a camera manufacturer, well, that's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, uh, but I could start by making an iPhone app that's an interface for an Android camera. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. You're starting lean and you're just building up from there. Um, and that's been all the rage in small business over the last several years. And I think this, to me, is a good example of where it doesn't work. So often, I think the lean startup mentality leads you to failure. Uh, for example, you make incredible images awesome stuff. And you say, I wonder if there's a market to sell this. And so you go print, you know, five cheapo canvas gallery wraps. You take it down to the local art fair. You sit on your butt all day. Nobody buys them. And you say, oh, woe is me. Nobody (laughs) spends money on quality photography anymore. (laughs) And, And you die out. Whereas if you would have really invested and, and made just crazy beautiful, you know, like you said, a four foot by 10 foot acrylic or metal print, and you got the perfect lighting on this thing, uh, and you go rent a gallery space, even if it's a cheap gallery space, and you put that same photo there, you very well may take off. Uh, it's not that they're isn't a way to break in because if somebody's doing it, you can be the one who does it. Uh, I think a lot of it is not all of it, but a lot of it is just starting too small in how the, the images are costs, presented. 
are astronomical. And, yeah. And I will say I have seen um, a photographer friend of mine, actually multiple photographer friends of mine that are landscape photographers have some success at art fairs and art shows, um, just getting their name out there and starting to get a client. Um, but you're right. They're probably not sitting there with five canvases. They're probably, when they go to an art show, they have a van full of their work and they have their presentation on point. They have their business cards. They have their sales speak. It's an entirely different skill set. And it, it's suddenly your artwork is no longer an expression of yourself. Suddenly you're selling um, this product. And mm -hmm. when you have interactions with people, and I've even done um, art fairs, and they're a lot of fun, they're really fast paced. Um, but you know, to avoid kind of the experience that you're talking about, you really have to invest in yourself um, is what it comes down to. And people can see like this person is invested in themselves. Um, I want to invest in them because that's what they're ultimately doing when they're buying a piece of art. I think another piece of the landscape industry where there's money to be made um, or there has been um, money made in the past is education. So videos, instruction, workshops, those type of thing. I think you see like the people that are making a living at and, and landscape photography is their specialty have really um, found themselves in a mentorship um, situation where they are teaching um, what, whether they're novice or amateur or budding professional photographers are teaching them. Um, and that has always been there. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I'm not totally sure I agree, actually. Um, I, I do think that's changing dramatically. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of the insiders, the biggest names in, in the education side of things, and they are laying people off like crazy. Ah, interesting. Uh, look at Kelby One over the last couple of years everybody's fired is the story. Uh, and I can name a few others who have uh, confided to me personally that it it's bad. Um, and I think the reason is the a lot of the education can happen through YouTube and free blog posts and things like that. Experiences are still selling, uh, workshops, uh, things like that. But it seems to me that the, that the people really making money in the industry right now are not those selling the information, but those who are selling the tools. Uh, people who are doing a Kickstarter for a new photography product, um, new right. software for photographers. Uh, it's photography software, is, that's, a, that's a good industry to be in, yeah. man. I mean, there are, to me, it seems that the tools uh, are the people who are making the real money in the industry right now. Absolutely. And there's, there's definitely booms, and that's going to mirror the population and the competence of the population. So we have, now we've had, you know, the digital SLR for a very long time. And now digital SLRs are getting very good, very, very good um, to the point where you can take amazing photographs in one single frame um, and you can probably, you probably don't have to worry about dynamic range. One of the big, um, one of the big things that separated um, a professional's work from maybe an amateur's work is how um light is handled, especially high contrast light where there's lots and lots of dynamic range um, where it's like a bright sun and really dark shadows and balancing that 
and now that can almost be accomplished. So as technology um, advances, the the need for um, all the software skill is coming back. Now, I wouldn't say that's necessary. Like I always say, like people are really surprised when I say this, but like 50% is photography, what camera you use skills, tripod skills, camera skills, composition, and then 50% is what you can do with that after the fact post-production. Yep. I still think that's the case, but it's becoming easier with Mm -hmm. the advancement of sensor technology. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, especially the dynamic range, like you mentioned. That's been one thing that like, ooh, it takes people a few years to really learn how to work with this well. Um, and 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 that still is the case. But how long is that going to last? I don't know. You know, eventually you're going to be able to go to the to a landscape of the rising sun peeking out from this rock and just click and you nailed it. You know, you, you got the dynamic range. It's there. I think one of the things that I struggle with is like finding these new people that, you know, these artists that inspire me. Like I, I, I've had the same familiar names, you know, of work that people's work that I've followed from when I started um, mm-hmm. five or six years ago. But those people that started two or three years ago, I know there's some amazing photographers out there that I don't even know exist. Yep. And, we, and we just, it, it's so big um, now. And there's so many people doing it that it's really hard to even feel like you're fully connected to everybody that's that's um, doing landscape at a high level. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a good point. I can remember when I started this podcast, sometimes I would stumble upon somebody's work and be blown away. And I would, you know, immediately call them up and, and say, hey, can we get you on the podcast and stuff? And now see that every day i'm blown yeah. <laughs> away by somebody that i've never heard of uh i've never heard of this person and i see it and they're just i mean it's incredible work and it's like what else is new that happens all the time no, i'll go to somebody's um in fact it's happened a few times recently i'll just click on in- instagram just random person's profile i've never even heard of and they have this beautiful stylized body of work like that has their signature look to it that's clean that's world-class imagery and they've got four thousand followers on instagram yep so how are these people um being discovered um in in an industry that is so um competitive and crowded um i don't know i mean i don't I know. think you hit the nail on the head we aren't gonna get discovered anymore that's not a thing because there are too many who are good and so we just have to enjoy photography for photography uh, and if you don't, you're going to fizzle out. If you, if you have any ulterior motive, you're going to fizzle out. You got to just love it for loving its sake. Absolutely. Love. There's a lot of love in this podcast, Majid. <laughs> well, where can people follow your work? So you can follow me on Instagram. Um, just type in Majid and it's um, at Majid Badzadigan. Awesome. You're producing some awesome stuff. Thanks Thank for you. taking the time to be on with us. Absolutely. And we'll see everybody in the next episode. <laughs>